Hello, and welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT podcast. I'm your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. How are you doing today, Omega? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm super good. I'm super good. It's, it's weird because this is the first episode we're doing with our cameras on. So we are no longer yes. the Two Strangers, One mm-hmm. NFT podcast. We're the slightly less strangers not talking about nfts today podcast yeah we're not quite strangers not quite talking about nfts podcast so maybe we have to do a little rebranding yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> see. but yeah so yeah this will be our first episode where we actually turn on the video cameras and see how it goes and hopefully spotify will let us upload it like this but we'll see how that goes um, but today for this episode we kind of last episode was a little heavy in the weeds a little intense talking about you know blockchain and, and healthcare and all that stuff and it was a little out of our depth to a certain extent and so it was so heavy we had to take three weeks off so heavy well i also had a vacation <laughs> and a birthday and stuff and you had kids and work and so it was a little messy this is a lackluster month as far as production goes but uh today we're bringing it back and bring it back to more of our own realms of actual expertise and experience when it comes to gaming and nft gaming if we want to go go down that route with blockchain stuff and you know it's you know a thing that's relevant to just about everyone because i think everyone does a certain level of gaming to an extent <laughs> as far as i know yeah i hope absolutely if you're not playing on your computer or your switch then you almost certainly have a game on your phone i don't care mm-hmm. if you're a grandma doing your your daily wordle or or a kid sitting on the sofa mm-hmm. playing something else everyone plays yeah. games yeah, exactly. That's one of the things I kind of noticed because I, I, like when you first think about gaming, you think of just kind of like the sweaty neck beards in their mother's basement, just <laughs> going on the World of Warcraft for 12 hours a day kind of thing. But uh, when you look around, it's most people actually do some form of gaming, like even if, even if it's like little mobile games, Candy Crush, like the idle games and Clash Clans, that kind of stuff. I mean, everyone has some kind of form of gaming. In, in my opinion, in my experience and observations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a sucker for an idle game, and I don't know why they suck me in, but I've been playing mm-hmm. one. In fact, I play it almost religiously at the moment on my, my phone. What's it called? Magic Research. Magic Research. Available on iOS, Android, and Steam. <laughs> oh. And you're essentially, it's just a text-based game where Mm. it's an incremental idle game. You're a wizard, but you can't see yourself because it's all text. Mm -hmm. And you're running this academy. And you just slowly work your way through killing some monsters, which again is text. You just press some buttons. You Mm -hmm. research some stuff and you get better. I was having a look at my stats and playtime on it earlier. And I have been playing this for 35 days. (laughs) And a total real time of two days oh no three days and 13 hours wow so now, 10% I, of the past uh, month is <laughs> now, that's a lot of game time for something that like we were talking before the podcast about valheim i got 60 hours in valheim it's an incredible game for those that don't know it's mm-hmm. like your survival game um but not minecraft graphics set in mm-hmm. the viking lands um big big multiplayer game I got 60 hours in that. Excellent game. I put nearly the same amount of hours into a wizard-based idle text game. Jeez. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about. What, what, what do you think of, about it is, is what sucks you in? Because immediately I just think of the dopamine, the project, the project progression, and the, the game loops in general. Oh, I think it's exactly that. Like It's so mindless. And there's something about watching a progress bar just kind of go from zero to a hundred, telling me my mana's for that I can cast my next spell that gives me a few more bits of gold or whatever. And I'm like, cool. If I just do this a hundred more times, I can upgrade my building. <laughs> and I only do need to do that 101 times next time to get the mm-hmm. next upgrade. And, but it's it's super accessible, right? You can play it on the toilet. I can play it whilst talking to you. I'm not. I have put my phone down for once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of these activities you can just do with a single finger whilst doing absolutely anything else in your life. Um, mm-hmm. but it's it's consuming a lot of my time. 
to the point where my my wife the other day took my phone off of me and was like, get off of this stupid game. You like, spent ten percent just... of this month on your stupid phone playing your stupid little wizard game. <laughs> your kids are hungry. <laughs> that was basically the conversation we had here. My gosh. Well, that that's a good thing to have that kind of safeguard in, in place a little bit, as as infuriating as it must be. It's you know, it's good because someone like me. There's there's zero guardrails. I mean, I can just spend twelve hours a day just gaming, and no one's gonna tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe long, someone will knock on my door gone. and be like, "We haven't seen you in three days. Is everything okay?" <laughs> yeah, but I think that's one of the interesting things about gaming. Because at least when I started gaming, I mean, it was mostly the single player ones. You know, there was no interaction, and then it evolved to multiplayer games. To now you have a console effectively in the palm of your hand that you can do at any time. And it just makes you kind of wonder kind of like, you know, is gaming kind of like the future, what a lot of us are kind of doing and like just to help with our day-to-day lives. You know, I think back to like the, the Roman days where it's bread and games to keep everyone kind of, you know, stable and happy and content with their lives. Cause they had uh, these games to watch and participate in. And maybe it's just kind of a evolution of it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I think it's it's so accessible now at any level, whether or not you're a hardcore Dota fan participated in, in the internationals at the moment, or you're like me who likes wizardy things that are text based on 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 my phone. Like it's super accessible. You can do it all the time. It completely allows you to switch off from anything and everything. Like there's very little mm-hmm. social media related to it if you wanted to you can have your own communities like i'm part of a gaming discord you're probably part of a gaming discord mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> or you have groups of people that play the same types of games so it is a very social social thing but i know we touched mm-hmm. on it in, in one of the previous podcasts kind of that ready player one scenario mm-hmm. is this i think it was the better first episode wasn't it it's like, yeah. how do i monetize actions within a game Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, and and is it going that way? And I, I guess this is where some of these these blockchain games and play to earn, I think they're calling themselves, uh, are starting mm-hmm. to come in. Some of the ones that I've seen aren't necessarily like your World of Warcraft type experience, where the money that you have in game you can trade out of the game for for real cash. Mm-hmm. They're more kind of kind of decentralized exchanges just behind the skin of a game if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense so i can't remember the name of the one i was i was doing but it was after a couple of hours of looking at it i was like this is just a dex mm-hmm. like it's they've just called liquidity pools something else but i have to buy a character to then be able to trade stuff and it was all very clever it felt like a game mm-hmm. but then when you when you've been in the crypto world as much as you and I have, you you kind of see through some of the smoke and mirrors and you're like, this is just a dex that's charging me lots of money to pretend to be a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, you get to see, all right, which kind of, uh, kind of crypto games are scams, which ones are sustainable, like the tokenomics of it all and just, you know, the rarity charts of, of the loot that you can earn in game and whatnot. But I, I guess we could take a step back and be like, you know, most kids are most like, you know, when you're in your preteen years and whatnot, you're like, oh, I wish I could just play video games for a living. And, you know, 20 years ago, that's like such a silly concept. But here we are now, you know, in 2023, and it's kind of a completely different environment where you definitely have kids making millions of dollars playing video games, literally. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know, I mean, what's been your perspective of that? Because, I mean, you've had a few more extra years than I have seeing the change of the gaming industry. From. Yeah, I mean, there's not much of an age gap between us, but I'll, I'll take that on the chin. So then you got the wife and kids. It's a little... <laughs> yeah. no, it's I, cool. I, I don't even know how old you are. And I don't know how old I are. Really. Well, we don't need to put that out here. I'm asking for my mother's maiden name and trying to yeah. guess my password. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, I, I think the, the I think the evolution of it is is really cool. Um, I remember seeing a video of Ninja. Um, so Ninja's this super famous Fortnite guy with purple hair and, and stuff. And I think he was on like Britain's Got Talent or it was some reality TV show yeah. years ago. And they were like, "Oh, what do you want to do?" And he's like, "I'm going to play games professionally." And they laughed at him on on the show. And now he's turning over like fifteen million dollars a year playing games, sponsorship deals all of this mm. sort of stuff. And 
I'm all for enabling people to do something they're passionate about mm-hmm. and kind of created those positive experiences and, and drawing communities together. I think there's a lot of people on this on this planet that aren't necessarily socially able to to meet in person and not extroverted, so they're introverts kind of kind of can come out through games and, and manage these these things. And if you can monetize that and do something you enjoy, then then fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'd like I would much rather be a full time streamer and mm-hmm. earning what I do doing that than having to sit in an office chair typing away at my laptop every day, right? Yeah. I think it's I think there's something to that. On the flip side though, like it's really difficult being a streamer. Like mm-hmm. it's super, super difficult. These guys work all the time mm-hmm. like if they're not streaming 16 hours a day then unfortunately some their viewers are going to go somewhere else to to, to fill that need mm-hmm. so it is it is super tough but no go, going back to what, yeah. what you're saying around the evolution of, of gaming and, and where's it come and the monetization of it i i personally find myself seeking out those co-op games mm-hmm. I, I like a couch co-op game and they're they're very hard to to find now there's there's a couple um that i've been playing like we were here together um, and we were here forever and stuff there's these two-player puzzle games where you go through which are incredibly difficult annoyingly and, and quite yeah take, <laughs> but that's half the fun time. of it yeah it is it is half the fun and if there was a monetized aspect of that would i play it i think it actually turned me off like what what are you going to monetize from a two-player co-op experience probably 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 not but I almost am seeking games that feel like old games or give me that experience. I find often these huge open world games, and we saw it with Starfield recently, where mm-hmm. they promise these massive, quite literal intergalactic kind of mm-hmm. games, and they've just created a barren galaxy yeah. of not very much yeah. at all. Yeah. And we saw it with No Man's Sky and other sorts of games. That. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like you, you you get that, and I, I know with that it was it was like uh, Starfield was it had all this hype around it, all this funding and all this money, and then when it actually is like coming out, it's kind of like what? And it's like you, this was supposed to be like Eve Online, except you make real money, you know, kind of kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's something that definitely happens in, in the space. Yeah, I think I think development studios are guilty of playing to the hype too much and promising mm-hmm. way way too much. Mm-hmm. and they always always fall flat and if you make a game too big then unless you're endlessly developing it um and, and adding stuff at a, a really rapid pace then people will will, will fall out of love with it mm-hmm. having said that i'm kind of linking this back to to crypto nfts and stuff i would absolutely love a center avatar to be me and be persistent across all games mm. so it didn't matter if it was a pixel game or an MMO or whatever, it mm-hmm. would take my image, use AI, and mm-hmm. turn me into an avatar and it either pixelates me or it's this or that and kind of some level of persistence of inventory across games. Now, I mean, that's a universe mm-hmm. game, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's touching on what Roblox have tried to do, but I'd want better mm-hmm. graphics uh, yeah. with games inside of games and, and things. Yeah, I think that definitely sounds more like a, a Roblox kind of thing. Because I know there was one project I was following, uh, I think it was last year, uh, it was called Yaku, the Yakuverse. And that was kind of the concept of you have your own NFT that becomes your own avatar, and that's what you use to navigate around the world. But I don't see how that would be able to integrate to other games unless they directly partnered with another game that was trying to develop. But I think that's a great concept. That would definitely be a Ready Player One type of <laughs> advancement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's where it's going. Mm-hmm. I, I think what you'll find is, I don't know, maybe AI will have something to do with it. But essentially, everyone will fall into a framework to build from. So it'll be the same game engine, the same rules or whatever. And then everyone builds upon that. And the games all all connect together um, through either a central hub or mm-hmm. or whatnot, and then the underlying stats for your character. And, and well, I'm really stealing the ideas from Ready Player One here. So if you play mm-hmm. lots of PvP shooters, then those stats go up. Somebody else might do some fishing things in the fishing simulator game, mm-hmm. but to boost your PvP stats, you need a fish to 
build some potions, so you have to go mm. to the central market and use your coins to trade. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is where you could get games helping games, but I mean, it would truly require some kind of library of knowledge and don't put mm-hmm. the greater, I don't know, summoning staff of whatever, and it can't be used in here because you'll trash my game. Like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, where you kind of, as you're playing the game, you need this whole wiki just to make sure you don't mess it up or, you know, it, it allows for that hyper-optimization for the real tryhards versus, you know, you can still play it casually, but you can also eke out all this extra efficiency if you just fine-tune your approach. Yeah, those min- min-max type games uh, mm-hmm. are, are cool. It. But uh, I think if EVE Online has, has done it pretty well in terms of the player economy side of things that, that kind of you need the mining people. So EVE Online's that the big space game for people that don't know. So you have like mining factions who will do all of that and then they'll sell it to the central hubs and you have the weapons guys and you have the ship manufacturers and they've had to specialize in that way because it takes literal years. I think an account to get to like Titan class, which I think is the second subclass of, of the big ships now, takes like three years of real time of your skills just constantly leveling up by Jeez. doing things. Wow. This is why people have had to specialize, but there's real money that goes through these. Like, I think mm-hmm. some of the ships, if you were to buy them off market, i.e., online or something like 10, 12 grand to get mm-hmm. some of these capital ships or, or, the, or the accounts and, and bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. So, I think for earning money, I think you'd need mm-hmm. something like that. How that translates into game credits to dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because you need the influx of money as well as the outflux of money, right? Yeah, it's um, almost like you would need like a subscription service for a game in order to fund this economy where people can actually make like a living, but you have to optimize those rarity charts and loot drops so that it's not it's financially sustainable, I, I think, just off the top of my head. Yeah, but do, you, do you remember when Diablo introduced a real money auction house i was part of all that i actually really liked playing diablo 3 and i was experienced all that firsthand and it was bonkers <laughs> it was like you would get a super rare item and you'd be able to sell it for like 20 30 40 50 bucks and i think some some items sold for hundreds of dollars too i i, I forget the details of how high it went but i remember it being so controversial and they had to take it off Oh, it's, it's super controversial because, I mean, that's really when the whales can come in and be like, yeah, I'll just buy all this stuff. And I understand mm-hmm. why microtransactions exist to some degree. You could argue, well, I've only got an hour a day, so if I want to pay money to be the equivalent of 10 hours worth of effort, then then let me do it. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, what was happening was when they would release an expansion pack or patch something and added new items, they would immediately be trashing all of the value of the other items you mm. bought because the staff of wonder would be better stats than the staff of despair. Yeah. And <laughs> one grand for one thing, and now the other one's an uncommon drop that everyone's got because it's the latest expansion and they up everyone's skill caps and, and things. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's the, uh, what's that term called where the... Uh power creep i guess in, yeah. in these kinds of games like the power creep would basically destroy that entire ecosystem which is what we saw with diablo 3 yeah which is why i think games started going down the cosmetic routes now mm. i like a cosmetic i don't like the price of cosmetics i think mm. you should not be paying <laughs> the full game cost for I don't know, to see Mercy in whatever game it is in a bikini. You know? I guess, yeah. Like, I guess it depends just, on the outfit, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. But like $40, $40 for an Overwatch skin is crazy when the game mm-hmm. could cost $20, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like the cosmetics. I think it really really adds something. But I, I fear that games remove content now just to just to charge for them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's that, that fine balance. That's why I think... Mm-hmm. The ability, like you you have the base game and then you allow community-created models within the realms of sensibility, right? Like no nude skins and stuff like that yeah. to be sold through this NFT-style marketplace mm. and then the game creators take a fee from each transaction. Because mm. then That's you've got it. the best of both worlds. You drive innovations through creators in the player base. It's mm. not a the game the um developers aren't removing anything from the game because mm-hmm. they get they earn from everyone's stuff yeah and the fees would be so much less so they'd probably get more volume yeah so they're they're effectively creating more content for the game by allowing uh, you could say just modding or you know user-based cosmetics 
So they're adding more content to the game, but they're also getting paid for it by allowing community members to do it. And those creators also make money from it. I think that's that's a great concept to have implemented. Like it, you'd probably need that for any blockchain game to be able to be sustainable and successful to an extent. Yeah, I think it's whether or not it's simple to implement and would you want it in every game where, I don't know, mm. just use the game I was talking about before the podcast, Nessie. It's like a mm-hmm. isometric multiplayer game that's a little bit like Minecraft, more like Terraria type thing. Mm-hmm. If I logged into that, would I want to be presented with a visit our player model workshop, like player cr- created workshop and buy some stuff? I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. Like, yeah, maybe eventually I, I, one day. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, I don't know. I guess the, if it was in every game, would you get pretty bored of it? Is that the point where you would need Steam to release, say, its own mm-hmm. custom models shop so it's available for all games? Mm-hmm. And then they just release these these tools centrally for people to play with and, and create for any game. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a better model. So everyone mm-hmm. kind of gets what they want. I mean, you'd get some ridiculous things. Like if you think of a racing game and if they allowed you to make your own cars, you're going to get penis motorbikes. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that, right? <laughs> it would turn into like a Grand Theft Auto kind of skins yeah. type thing. It yeah. Just, so it would, it, would it trash the vibe of the game? No, yeah. No, I, I, I guess it would just depend on the game itself, wouldn't it? You know, if it's going for like the hard, like try hard, very serious professional type thing or something goofy like Grand Theft Auto, Borderlands type thing, I guess, I guess it would just depend on the culture of the game, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I, I think yeah. for me, that would be super cool. And then yeah. it ties into crypto and NFT stuff. If the models could then be translated across different games, mm-hmm. like literally like cross-chain, you know? Mm. So they can keep on earning and, and things. I mean, you could add then music could go on there and be added to the games. And I don't know. It could just be an infinite custom game. And this is when you start mm-hmm. creating that universe. Yeah. Kind where, of model where everything flows between lots of different games and different formats. Yeah. Especially if the players can create their own servers with their own kind of games. But yeah, it, I would say that the you know, if there were to be like a one blockchain game to rule them all, it would probably have to be something along the lines of Minecraft or Roblox, where you do have your fundamental character, but you can join all these different servers to play all these different type of metagames within the game itself. I could definitely see that becoming a thing. But the question just be who, who would it be and how would they make it? And <laughs> so many other factors involved with it. Yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be cool. I mean, if you think of like Spore, so... Again, for people that aren't familiar with yeah. Spore, it's from like 1998. It was one of these games that was promised to be something it, it never was. But the whole premise is you're an amoeba in the ocean. You then evolve, go onto land, and then eventually you go up into space. So take that evolution concept. So you have this game where a lot of stuff is player-made. There's a full-player economy and stuff. And then people like throw Space Kerbal simulation into it somebody finally gets enough materials and stuff to be able to craft a spaceship to then go up into space, makes a space station, players start making ships, and then suddenly you have a game within a game. Mm. Because anyone that can go up into space, or you'll get taxis that take players up into space, now you've got EVE Online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just been created organically. In, do you know what I mean? And this is when developers mm. could patch the next thing into the game as they see players exploring other areas and, and things mm-hmm. like that. I think it'd be a really interesting yeah. concept. Yeah, and definitely. I'd, I'd pay pay money for that, and I'd make content for it to try yeah. and earn money from it. Like, yeah, and that's the other thing I was thinking too when we we're talking about this—the evolution of gaming from where it was single player by yourself to co-ops to all this stuff to now streamers. I think one of the things you have to think about when we're making the when we're talking about the gaming industry is kind of these derivative derivative careers you can make off of a game. So not just making money off the game itself, and not just streaming, but you know, I think of like the the playthroughs, like I played a lot of Anno games. And so, you know, yeah. a lot of times what I do, you know, I would, you know, watch some two hour video of someone playing Anno and it would help me go to sleep kind of thing. And then you got all the guides to how to play the game. And then you have collabs between players and mods for the games. And then switching over to like the esports side of things, you've got casters for the game. So not just people making money, playing the games and tournaments and winning money as pros, but more casual people can just be people who like to talk about it. Like in American football or soccer, you have people doing the commentating and whatnot. And those people make real careers. And then you have the community managers in and of themselves. So you go to these arenas and they got their hype people interviewing people and doing like almost a whole 
media outfit for that game. And I'm thinking I'm using Dota mostly for it because the international is going on right now and I have to go recap and watch some of that. But yeah, you see all those people making all this money around a video game so it can go just beyond just the game itself. And I think that's a crazy thing. I think it all started with Dota back in 2013, 2014, when they had the first international. I, f- I forget when it all happened. Yeah, they really, really, really changed changed things. Now, Dota was actually a mod. started off as a mod for Warcraft yeah. 3. Yeah, that's true. I keep forgetting about that, too. <laughs> yeah, and um, old Gabe Newell bought the rights to it and then made it its own standalone game, and, and here we are. But... Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. The evolution of gaming is much more than just graphics and, and gameplay. It's what is the ecosystem and communities it can create around us. And if you think mm-hmm. of the billions of dollars at this point, esports must be generating. Um, I mean, the the prize funds now what ten million dollars for first place or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. I remember when it was ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and now you've got. And even that was a crazy huge, amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Now you've got huge stadiums with tens of thousands of people watching, mm-hmm. typically in Dota, eight Koreans playing, playing Dota and, yeah. and fighting each other. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's like the ultimate cool. little brother watching the older brother play video games kind of thing, just on a massive monetary scale. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. cool. And it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Like, I think the next step, from a casting perspective and, and tournaments would be like Sky TV having mm-hmm. an esports specific channel. Mm-hmm. Like if that was on there, hey, I've just cancelled my Sky TV, but if that was on Sky Sports, mm-hmm. I probably would have kept it because I would log on to watch mm-hmm. League of Legends tournaments. I'd probably watch Rocket League tournaments. Like it's something, mm-hmm. something enjoyable watching the best of the best, um, mm-hmm. whether it's football, American football, whatever it may be, or people playing games. Mm-hmm. It's really really, really interesting. And then the sports betting side of things could, could oh, come in. Yeah. I didn't even think about the sports betting side of things as well. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge thing as well. Yeah. I think, I, I, yeah, I don't know where it's going to go next. I don't know where it's going to go next. Could it be if VR headsets, I feel like they're really trying to be cool mm-hmm. and I really want VR headsets to be a cool thing. I have not used my mm-hmm. hive since the second week it came out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never bought one since. But is the evolution of mm-hmm. where we all stick on a VR headset and now you don't just have 10,000 people in an arena, you have hundreds of thousands of people. All of your Twitch mm-hmm. viewers sat in a room around you in your virtual mm-hmm. studio, like casting place. How cool would that be? Yeah. Um, that's that, kind of the next step. Yeah, that reminds me of like that one Black Mirror episode. I, I forget which one it was called, but I think it was like in the first season. It was like millions or something like that. Or basically, yeah, people would have their little VR or you know TV headsets tune in for a particular audition or show, and that yeah, it would be that same concept where you have a virtual arena and you have all these people with their avatars running around, jumping and talking to each other <laughs> while all watching the same event in the virtual arena. I think we saw it with Roblox. I think there was a, I think I forget, I think Little Nas or there's some rapper who played a concert in Roblox in this virtual arena. And he had all these little Roblox avatars hopping around, jumping <laughs> while he was actually performing. It was the craziest thing to see. Yeah, it's cool. I did, didn't Fortnite do it. Was it Red Hot Chili Peppers or something like that? Oh, maybe. Did I don't, I don't did, follow did Fortnite. A, did a live concert in Fortnite, and apparently, like, millions of people turned up to watch it. I, we, we can check right now a Fortnite concert. <laughs> yeah, we probably, we, we probably should. Yeah, um, Marshmallow, Travis Scott. Those are the two. Yeah, it's that Marshmallow. First I was thinking of. Yeah, Marshmallow. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and so they would just play concerts in the Fortnite. I haven't even touched Fortnite ever in my life. I made it like a yeah. So I think I've, 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 I think I've seen it, but I've not not played it. But I I think they made like a custom thing where you could log in and you say so wouldn't be playing the game around a concert shooting people. That would be cool. Yeah. But I think you'd log- <laughs> You logged in and you were in the arena with loads of load, like your own instance mm-hmm. of the concert. So the central bit was live. Yeah. Everyone else was in their own instance watching yeah. it. I would guess that would give you more more reason to actually invest in skins and actually care more about what because that's your kind of your outfit you're taking to the concert <laughs> in a way outside of the game. God, oh, imagine that you you go you go so into a virtual game and you've paid all that money and you still can't see because somebody's got giant bunny ears flapping around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> or those crazy over-the-top skids where they're full-on, like, you know, formal yeah, gowns. The, the demon, and, demon wings or whatever. Yeah, or like the little pets running around. They got like giant panda bear following them around as they go. <laughs> you the guy on his dragon, please dismount. Yeah. <laughs> please switch to a smaller pet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would oh, be so good. Yeah, but that'd be interesting, insane. man. I would... Like I wouldn't watch it on a normal screen, but if I had a VR headset and could jump into something, I think more so for watching YouTube videos or Twitch stuff than maybe the big concerts. I think that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, I was in the same boat. I, I haven't touched my Oculus to the point where I actually gave it to like one of my baby cousins because they they loved it way more. And just the motion sickness of it was what really got me. And I think that's a hurdle that's going to be almost impossible to overcome for vr i was like you need to have i could only play certain games and apps that involved me just being stationary and the stuff would come to me versus me going to it so i think there was like a right. book called like blade and sorcery or something where it was like a skyrim arena where you're slaying the swords and throwing stuff it made me throw up almost every single time or close to throwing oh up. wow but then there were games like super hot where everything would come to you and so you would just fight stationary so yeah, I think I think they've changed some of that. I think there was something to do with like blue light and maybe the refresh rate of the lenses. Mm. I think they have managed to remove a lot of that motion sickness. But I found okay. one, I would detach from reality a little bit, and I would be that guy that would headbutt the floor trying to look through a hole, <laughs> yeah. punch or, a hole for your TV screen. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know if you. I think there's a video say of Ronnie Ronnie O'Sullivan, who's a world class um, snooker player. And he's got a VR headset playing Suka, and he leans on the table and forgets the table's not there. And just, oh, just completely crap. Oh, you know, completely yeah. K- KOs. Yeah, um, well, I took uh, I took the headset down to uh, you know on a vacation down in like Costa Rica, and you know those people like they're they're kind of like five to ten years behind with technology in a lot of ways. So none of them ever seen a VR headset, and so we had them play a, a little roller coaster game where you would try to shoot targets while you're on a roller coaster. <laughs> And seeing the reactions when you get that first big drop, you you saw people just literally cowering and jumping on the floor on the ground in fetal position, like, oh, my God, ripping off headsets, just screaming. It's like a a crazy experience. But the accessibility of it, um, I think it puts them into question if VR is going to really take over. But I think that's where everyone's trying to go. Yeah, absolutely. I found the horror games were the worst. Like when when I had... They first came out as like um, like a phone. You'd slide your phone into the screen, mm. and then you'd have your headset on. Oh yeah, the, the game, Google Cardboards, right? So yeah, some, kind of yeah. Lines, I think it was yeah. like a Galaxy Galaxy Mobile one or something at the time, mm-hmm. and you could only control it by touching the buttons on the side. But it was like this labyrinth game with monsters. It was only pixelated. Mm. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever played in my life. <laughs> it was so scary. I played it like mm. two or three times, and there's something about. I don't know, this pixelated Cyclops or something coming towards you. It just freaks you out big time. Where if I was to play that on my computer, it would be no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Um, The VR really does that. That's that extra level of immersion and fear response, I think. Yeah, it takes that level away of separation. Because, yeah, that was my uh, that was my first experience with VR as well, was, again, the, when the Google Cardboards first came out. It's like, yeah, just slip your phone in. And um, the first game I played, which also did this, had the same effect, was like a zombie game but you would shoot them by looking at them. But I think that makes, oh, yeah. it, makes it even worse because <laughs> then it's like you have to actually look at the thing coming at you and you just hope that the health bar ticks all the way to zero by the time it reaches you. But yeah, you would get the same amount of jump scares and stuff. That would be a little too immersive <laughs> for some. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it can be a, be a bit much. Yeah, but we, I've got some stats here for how much money is flooding into blockchain gaming itself if you're ready for some of those love things. a good stat love a good stat good it, it it blew me away so quarter q3 2023 blockchain gaming activity had an average of 786,000 daily unique active wallets so there's already almost a million unique wallets doing blockchain gaming and it's increased 12% from q2 so you already have a 10% I mean, that's huge that's massive i mean that's I mean, that alone, I mean, it, it's across all the blockchain. This was from DAP Radar and Blockchain Game Alliance. So obviously it probably doesn't encompass all blockchain games. So it's probably it's probably even more than that uh, to begin with. But uh, there is a game called Alien Worlds, I guess, that commands over 60% of that activity. So Alien Worlds, Worlds itself kind of takes the chunk of all that. I've never heard of it until I read this article, though. So 
Hard no, to say. I've, I've, I've never heard of it. Let's have a... Yeah, money-wise, <laughs> actually, Infinity and Gods Unchained had a volume of $90 million and $55 million, respectively, in gaming transactions, which I don't know the stats for Fortnite, but I have a feeling that that beats Fortnite and World of Warcraft and League of Legends off the top of my head. I, I could be wrong, but that's a lot of money to be going through just two different games. Yeah, that is a lot of money. I just had a look at Alien Worlds, and I hate to say it, it kind of looks like my kind of game. Does, is that so it really? <laughs> it's very much buy something to upgrade something else, watch a counter. But behind the scenes, like like I said at the start of the podcast, I'm pretty sure it's just a DEX. That they're yeah. just gamified mining their own tokens and trading their own tokens and stuff. Mm. Um, wow. But it, and it's got it mods built by the community too. Oh, wow. Oh, they, they've that, taken all exactly of our what ideas. We about. Wow. This is exactly what we've been looking for. No <laughs> wonder it's ranked number one. <laughs> Did we just manifest? Is that what the manifestation is? Is you talk about something and then boom, there it is. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, was pretty. This, I think this hits everything that we were talking about. This game alone. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, just looking at their historical activity, I mean, it's, it's growing. Yeah. Galactic Cubs. Wow. I think. Is this it? Is this is this the game we were talking about? This is the this is the ultimate blockchain game, huh? This is this is the ultimate right mic drop. If I could drop my mic, we're we're dropping it right now. Yep, there this it is. is cool. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to watch this video. Alien World is going to take over Fortnite potentially. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can equip stuff, charge times. Wow, you can do modifications. Wow. I think I, I think I know what I'm going to be doing uh, for the rest of this <laughs> this weekend. Is going in on this? Well, wow. this herein lies the problem, right? Of of a blockchain game. We've just looked at this and gone, "That's really cool." I bet to get playing this game, you need a new type of wallet. You need mm. to figure out how to get liquidity into it. Each mm-hmm. time you click on one of these things on this screen, you're probably going to be charged a gas fee. Mm. So you need a lot of money. And I found this when I was playing some other random game. Mm-hmm. I probably spent $100 just in gas fees to try and figure out how to play the game, mm-hmm. moving moving stuff around. Yeah, And therein lies one of the, the huge pitfalls of these blockchain games. Yeah, um, Maybe they're by design at the moment to mm-hmm. try and generate as much volume and liquidity and things if every action in the game costs you one cent two cents whatever it may be and you've got ten thousand dudes playing it it adds up really really quickly yeah so that even Um, if it's a quote-unquote free game to keep playing the game you have to keep forking over a little bit for these transaction fees i think that's one of the reasons why ethereum based games never i mean they were the first ones so they were the most successful but they kind of died over time because of those ethereum gas fees so yeah, I guess when we talk about blockchain gaming, it really depends on what blockchain you're using. Like, is it going to be fast, cheap, secure? Yeah. Oh yeah, I could not imagine. Could you, could you, could you imagine that you're about you're playing an Ethereum game for the first time, and then <laughs> one minute to the next, your gas fee goes from two dollars to thirty dollars, and you don't realize. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I could have bought a whole sixty-hour game for that one single click. <laughs> yeah, it's like opening the free loot box that you opened in game, but to get it into your wallet, it's going to cost you those gas fees. And yeah, <laughs> little did you know, it was a forty-dollar loot box to get into your wallet. But it's like a yeah. super rare item, so you have to. So, but then have you yeah, tried to? Yeah, to claim it, you have to pay that gas fee. And you just st- it's this legendary stuck on your screen whilst you're trying to move money into your wallet to pay the gas fees for it. Yeah, and then you'd have to kind of sell. So it'd be almost like an NFT lottery, almost playing the game. So you're like, okay, is this worth paying the fee to get it in my wallet, or do I let this one go? So it becomes like a kind of calculus of is this worth taking this loot for the game or for resale value or for my own cosmetic. So I, I think you'd have to do some a cheaper or at least a layer two on an Ethereum network to have an Ethereum-based game. You'd have to need yeah. like Polygon or Base at least or switch over to Solana or some other type of blockchain or have a custom one, which I'm still trying to figure out which blockchain this Alien Worlds is on, but I haven't been able to find it yet. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Wax? Is that what it's called? I think potentially. I think what would be cool for uh, another idea for, for a game. <clears throat> so I don't know most gas fees to pay the miners 
to move to do the transactions, right? That's typically what the guest fees are, mm-hmm. are used for. How about you start in a game and you have a little canister that slowly fills up, it just trickles through with gas. So like your energy mm-hmm. in your mobile games. Mm-hmm. And then over time you can physically mine stuff to generate gas. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy gas from people to do more transactions and stuff in the game. So oh, you kind okay. of create this underlying kind of economy to pay for the the transactions yeah. and actions within yeah. the game. So it would effectively be like a universal basic income for the gaming ecosystem almost, where there's a there's a certain threshold of income everyone's making and they can do what as much or as little as they want with it, or they could grow over time as they play the game. That 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 could make sense. I think the question would just be then, you know, where what where does that initial gas like come from? Or I guess maybe they would have to split some certain amount of funding and budget to to pay for this. Yeah, I, I guess I guess gas would just be like gold or credits, isn't it? We've just created mm-hmm. basic, yeah, <laughs> basic money, money. That was a crap idea. Who thought of that? That was rubbish. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it would make sense that you would need a certain level of in, income to play the game. And I guess that was, it would be like a, you, I guess that would be your way of kind of time limiting for people who want to play it for free, like a free to play is, well, you can only really realistically play an hour or two straight before you run out of your daily allowance, I, I suppose. Yeah. I was just trying to think of a way to, to gamify the gas fees bit so you're not paying real money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would be. You could remove remove that real money element of the transaction bit, because that goes mm-hmm. to nobody really, apart from I don't know somebody's computer that's that's crunching numbers. But if you could remove that element somehow, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess there would have to be a certain uh, kind of uh, grinding. I, I, I suppose uh, I mean, they would make it pretty unpleasant, but kind of like an MMOs where you have to kind of mine the mission, like RuneScape. I'm thinking where you have to mine the raw resources from the world and that gives you stuff to play with. And then you can play the normal game and then go back to mining resources or some people just mining resources is the game in, in and of itself. Maybe there'll be some kind of element of that or, you know, maybe there's like a battle arena, but you need certain amount of credits to fight in it. And then you need certain raw materials to upgrade your equipment. So it's splitting your game time between a gamified resource mining kind of element and then a more PVP or the game itself element. And it's kind of, that kind of creates the gameplay loop. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Potentially. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we stumble upon this then. Oh, I didn't even talk about that. That's the last, last little stat. This is what really like made my uh, eyes kind of pop a little bit, but so in Q3, 2023 web three game projects secured $600 million of funding. So if you took 2023, just this year alone in total, and we're not even done with this year yet, there's been a total of $2.3 billion worth of investments in blockchain gaming. That's, wow. yeah, that's a lot of money to be sunk into an industry. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of money. I don't even know how much the regular gaming industry gets investments as far as those AAA games and everything goes. I would imagine yeah, it would be close to that amount. If not less, I, I don't know. Yeah, two point three billion. I mean, yeah, I mean that's a, that's a lot of money. I mean, how, just just do a quick Google. How much yeah. money? That's a lot of pies. It's <laughs> a lot of pies. I mean, this is a really spurious search. How much money is in games? Yeah, <laughs> three hundred forty-seven billion dollars was spent in twenty twenty-two. Okay. Okay, so this is only one so percent, just under point seven percent or something. Okay. But still, still, it's a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. So that's a lot of. So my my, my guess is that with all this investing in really high quality, really mature AAA style games, I don't know how long do you think it's going to be before we see an explosion in blockchain gaming. Like a real one where it replaces starts replacing Fortnite. Yeah, I think I think we'll start seeing blockchain games start with really rubbishy graphics, like we're seeing here, the Alien Worlds one. It's very basic, but has a lot of people playing it, it seems. To get something quality graphics like a Grand Theft Auto and stuff, I think you're really, really gonna struggle. 
I think what you'll find is, like you said, a Minecraft-esque type game where you can take a core of, you can take Minecraft, for example, do this NFT, create a wrap, and then just let it grow. Mm-hmm. And I think the second you can have community members making stuff for real money in an enjoyable way and mm-hmm. it's an enjoyable game to play, that's when I think you'll see it boom, mm-hmm. especially when people can start making really big money mm-hmm. from it. Yeah, um, and, and, and I'm talking yeah. like hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, and not that, having to be a streamer either. Just just playing the game itself is what's making you money. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just playing the game. I don't know. You finding something that that kind of lottery esque thing, like you that loot box style. You happen to do something, and you're like. Oh my god! It's a sword of a thousand truths. Mm-hmm. This is a one-to-one yeah. <laughs> item in a game. Like I don't know what it. Uh, I did. We'll make up like good stats or the best rarest skin or whatever, and you sell it for ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It's an NFT. Like so, track all the ownership. It goes on the open market. Like that's mm-hmm. when people will be like, "Oh, I'll play this game." I don't like FPSs, but I can certainly mine stuff. Mm-hmm. And I and all of these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that to me is when when you'd see it explode. I would play it. If there was a Minecraft style game that was in depth enough to support a global economy of NFT items or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't see why you wouldn't want to play that. Yeah, especially if it's fun and engaging. It's like, well, if I'm gonna be playing a video game, I might as well be making money from it while while we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, ab- I can't absolutely. wait. I can't wait for that day to come. I mean, hopefully it comes shortly, like sooner rather than later, because, oh, man, that'd be so much fun if we're just making a living literally just playing a game. <laughs> Back to oh, yeah. 12-year-old <laughs> dreams. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be really cool. It would be really cool. I guess the, what's probably going to stifle the innovation there is is the abuse. And I don't mean like verbal abuse or anything like that, but yeah. people will find a way to, to oh, find the, 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 the infinite money glitch. And when you've got real mm-hmm. money there, Therein lies the the challenge, and again, I think that was a big reason why the Diablo auction house was torn down because people figured out ways to farm certain items mm-hmm. that were worth a lot of money um, at making too much money or, mm-hmm. or whatever you know. Yeah. So finding that balance is it's going to be super tricky. Yeah, I think the silver lining is you can always change loot chance tables to orient. I guess it would become the question of. Uh, balancing a free market game economy versus something that's a little more centrally planned it would be a very difficult balance but you can imagine if like oh if people found a way to get you know a guaranteed amount of swords of a thousand truths and so now it's the value of it's going down and it's like all right well let's just tweak the rarity or change the location to a more you know because i was thinking Diablo three the butcher runs were the best ways to get yeah. all this valuable loot and so people instead of playing the game they would just be doing butcher runs like for 10 hours a day and then selling it. And I, I think that kind of takes away the point <laughs> of what a game is if you're just grinding something so basic like that. Versus Fortnite yeah, grinding, you have to play the whole game itself. You're not really just rehashing the same arena over and over again. It's a unique experience every time. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's why it would probably only really work when you're almost paying somebody for a service in a game. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the items can't be sold I can't sell you the sort of a thousand truths. That's mine. I've, I found that. Mm-hmm. But if there was a way to custom make mounts, like you can have all of the materials, everything costs. So as you're doing your modeling tool or whatever, and you're adding this stuff, you need the in-game materials. But I, I'm not a good enough modeler, or I don't know how the physics work in this game to make my spaceship. Mm-hmm. But you do. And that, to me, to be able to go into space is worth $100 for the custom spaceship I've just asked you to make for me. Mm. so you make this custom spaceship throw that onto the market and i buy that off you yeah or then you're not breaking the game in any way because you're only using in-game resources but somebody's had to spend the time one finding the resources two finding the connection to the person that makes it and three being skilled enough to make it in the first place to then add it to the market true i guess that's one workaround you could do is maybe everything only the only things you can sell within the blockchain game are craftables that you can only get resources within game to make you add value by crafting it, and then you can sell it for profit on the public market. But things like drops are non-craftable to a certain extent. So if they come out with sort of three thousand truths, you know, it's not going to destroy, you know, the, the the game economy because it's not craftable, so it's not sellable. 
It's just for the game specifically. So you got yeah, people absolutely. making money, and crafting, and then people just playing the game, getting better loot just for the game itself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you and kind of the sub-economy to that would be you'd have factions of people that do nothing but mine the resources to sell mm -hmm. on to the crafters who mm -hmm. make the stuff to then yeah. sell on to the people that just want a spaceship. Yeah, and then you got the guilds coming together, and so they all pull the resources together, and you can turn into like a real world kind of economy <laughs> except in yeah. the blockchain space that would be really interesting to see and maybe that's something that alien worlds has and that's why they have well over half of the active blockchain gaming wallets for 2023 yeah again, but whilst we've been talking i've been trying to set up an account and <laughs> and like i said it wants me to create a wallet on the mm. wax blockchain which requires either coinbase or moonpay Mm. I don't know either of those two things, so I'm immediately, I'm out. Okay. I'm not making one of those. And then obviously I've got to liquidate something to get some money in here to even be able to play the damn thing. Mm. And right. there, my friend, there we have it. Lies, lies the problem with blockchain gaming. Yep, that's the hurdle. It's not accessible. Yeah, try explaining this to an eight-year-old. It's not going to happen, not like Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you need starting funds to even play the game. And you have to know how to do an exchange for a, an obscure token. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I'm going to give this one a, an attempt after after this. And that's going to be my my Thursday. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking over 50 minutes. And I could easily see us talking for three more hours and seeing what else we find. <laughs> yeah, man. That's been enjoyable. Yeah, it's been a good episode. All right. Well, then, I, 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 it's been so long, I forgot how we close out our episodes now. <laughs> uh, I normally say something like, and on that bombshell, here's some advice. Yes, yes our parting advice. Yes. Parting <laughs> advice. Play whatever you want, just don't be a douchebag. Yeah. That's my parting advice. Yeah, gaming, gaming is supposed to be fun. Don't be so much of a tryhard. Gaming shouldn't be stressful. <laughs> it should just be a fun stress. <laughs> With that, all right. Well, uh, everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, go ahead and make sure to share it and send it to your dog, your cat, sister, wife, whatever, 14-year-olds who want to get into blockchain gaming. We'll see. Check out Alien Worlds, and uh, I imagine we might have a follow-up episode talking about it, playing around with it. <laughs> At least that's what I'm going to do after this. Yeah, man. All right. Cool. Well, let's play that outro. Let's play that outro. You've been listening to the Two Strangers, One and Empty podcast. I've been your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. And we'll see you next episode.